Heavenly Father, we just want to thank and praise you for each praise that was given tonight. For Lord, the opportunities where we can see your hand working in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your word and the promises that it gives us. We thank you for our church, Lord, the fellowship that we can have, and Lord, just the ability to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, tonight, I, I don't know if it's just that my ears are more attuned to it, but uh, it, it just definitely seems here of late that I've heard a lot more people taking the Lord's name in vain than has been in past history. I mean, it just seems to be accelerating and, and, and uh, no matter where you go, what you do, it just seems like everybody has got to do that. And so tonight what I'd like to do is just preach a little bit on the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is special. In fact, one of the commandments says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Uh, God has exalted His name. It's a special name. It belongs to Him. It's not just a curse word. And uh, if you follow that commandment, God says He will not hold him guiltless that takes His name in vain. And uh, by the way, you don't have to curse at God to take His name in vain. Uh, probably the simplest way people do it is something happens and, they, and what's the first thing out of their mouth? Oh my God. Well, wait a minute. If that, if you do that, you just need to stop. That, that's not, I heard one guy try to explain to me. He said, well, it's an abbreviated prayer. He said, I, I just, and I said, well, wait a minute. Can you find me a verse in the Bible where God says we can abbreviate prayers? Uh, that's what that genuflection thing is from the Catholic Church. It's the same thing. Uh, you just go like this or, or like this. I remember one time passing out tracks on the street and a, and a fellow stopped me and he said, I, I've got a, a, a really pressing question. I, he said, I just got to know. He said, are the Orthodox, uh, they go from right to left or the Catholics, they go from left to right. And I did that backwards on purpose. Uh, he said, which one's right? And I said, well, I got an answer for you. He said, really? So what is it? I said, neither one. And he looked at me and said, it's not in the Bible at all. You see, when we come to God, He would like for us to treat Him respectfully. Do you think we owe that to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God Himself as we talk to Him? Do you think He's worthy of us stopping the day? When he will take time to listen to our prayers any time of the day or night, let's not abbreviate things. Let's, let's be careful. Um, and where I'd like for us to start is in the book of Proverbs. And, and really could preach a sermon on each one of these points, and I will uh, refrain as much as possible from doing that. But verse 10 of Proverbs chapter 18 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. 
The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, in those days, uh, there were no cannons, there were no uh, aerial airplanes, there were no bombs, there were no artillery as we know it today. And so, when you built a, a tower, when you built a, a strong wall, you were basically safe. Uh, one of the greatest walls in history was the wall around the ancient Babylon. They say you could take four chariots side by side and ride around the top of the walls of Babylon. Now stop and think about that. A four-lane highway, now not cars, by the way, but chariots, uh, you, you couldn't really build one any less than four or five feet wide, so figure six feet. Four abreast could ride around the top of the wall, which was, if I remember correctly, about 125 feet high. That's just a well-nigh 12-story building with walls thick enough that you could ride four chariots around the top. In fact, in Daniel chapter 5, King Belteshazzar uh, I mean, Belshazzar, not to be confused with Belteshazzar, which was David's name, uh, Daniel's name, uh, was holding a party in the city while the Persian army was laying siege to the city. He was so confident that the city could not be taken that he decided, listen, we'll, we'll show them we'll have a party. Well, God took care of that thing. The Persian general Cyrus had his men dam up the entire Euphrates River and dig a new trench fort. And on the very night of that party, they put the rocks in place and the river began to flow down the new riverbed. How would you like to change the course of a river almost the size of the Hudson River? And as the water level went down, the brazen gates that were normally protected by the great currents of the river were exposed. And the general climbed down in there with his army and opened the gates and the city fell in one night. Now, aren't you glad that there's no weapon that anybody can use against the name of the Lord? The Bible says the righteous runneth into it and is safe. We need to understand that the name of the Lord is powerful. It's not a charm. Uh, you don't sit there and say, uh, like some people do, Jesus, 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 protect me, protect me. That, that's not how it works. You see, the rest of the points of the sermon are how this safety comes. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. How many of you know that verse? Say it with me if you know it. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Do you know what? If you're saved today, you're saved because you believed in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved from the fires of hell. You're saved from the eternal judgment of the eternal God. I like the name of the Lord. How about you? You believe on His name. And it says, whereby we must be saved. If you take to Romans chapter 10, verse 13, another verse that we should all know well, for whosoever shall what? Call on the name of the Lord. What's the rest of that verse say? Shall be saved. Someone says, how can I know if I'm saved? Have you called upon the name of the Lord in faith? Then we have God's Word. That we have security. You see, if your salvation was something that you earned or something you worked for, if it was something that you had to achieve, how would you ever know if you got it? That's why 90% of the people who call themselves Christians today, you say, "Uh, do you know if you're going to heaven? Oh, no, you can't know that until you get there. That's worse than Nancy Pelosi with Obamacare, isn't it? Uh, You can't know what's in the bill until you vote for it. And, uh, oh my, crooked politicians, crooked religionists, all the same thing. Jesus said, you call upon my name and you'll be saved today. Because I said so. And what what more security can you have than that, my friend? You see, that's what the name of the Lord, a strong tower, means. You see, when the doubts of this world come in, and, and how, many, how many of you that are here tonight and you are saved, how many of you have ever had a time in your life where you've questioned your salvation, where you've doubted it? Almost every one of us. And yet I go back to the Bible and it says... There's only one name where I must be saved, so I can't go anywhere else. And I called upon His name, and He saved me. I'm secure. I don't care what I feel. You know, your feelings sometimes need some training. Amen? Uh, You need to discipline them at times. You say, how do I do that? Ignore them. Feelings change. Feelings. Uh, My favorite statement, I hope you don't mind hearing it again. They're like little children. You don't run them. If you don't run them, they will run you. And that's what little children do. They've always got things to do. Your job is to stay one step ahead of the little children. That's why we have children's church. Amen? And go ye kids. And it just aids greatly to our ability to have a service here. You know, adults are good. Uh, They'll sit in that seat and they'll be quiet, most of them all the way through the service. I don't know if you're paying attention or not. Only God does. But those little kids... You know whether they're paying attention or not, because if they're not paying attention, they're doing something else. 
Listen. I get salvation in the name of the Lord. I get security in the name of the Lord. How about you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. Now, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and he's uh, trying to deal with some problems that are there. And he says in verse 10, Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, here's Paul's uh, command. He is speaking to the church. He's saying, I beg you, I beseech you, brethren. What authority does he use for this request? He says, by the name of the Lord. He said, you know, we say, and I hear this all the time, well, we all believe in the same Jesus. Well, why did your Jesus fight wars with with our people? 500 years ago, the Catholic Church fought wars with other Christian groups and tried to kill people, and did kill people, by the tens of thousands. Excuse me, how does that work? Remember, one person said, well, certainly you respect the Reformers, do you not? No, I don't. Martin Luther, the only person he ever put to death was a Baptist preacher. I don't don't appreciate that. Uh, And Mr. Zwingli, he wouldn't kill them himself all the time. But he would vanish them to areas where the, uh, they called them the hounds of the Catholic Church. The inquisitors could find them and he knew they would be put on trial. He made sure that they were exposed so that they would be captured and tried. And, uh, and, and these kinds of things went on. You see, if we really believe in the same excuse me, in the same Jesus, if we really believe the same Bible, why are there so many arguments? You know what the problem is? It's not the same Jesus, and it's not the same Bible. I don't want to be sarcastic tonight in in a bad way, but it, it angers me to the depths of my soul. When I hear someone say that Jesus needed the love of his mother and the compassion of his mother to care about me when he is love. That, that, that angers me. He is the one that chose to leave heaven's glory in obedience to the Father. He is the eternal God of heaven. He cannot love us anymore. He doesn't need any help or encouragement to love us because he is God. I get a little frustrated 
when someone says, well, God understands none of us are perfect. Yes, he did. That's why these words behind me are up on the board. Because Jesus said them from the cross. That's how well God understands about our sin. He understands every one of them. They're all written in his book. And unless you have paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ after that, you will suffer an eternity of separation between you and God. On Thursday nights, we're going through a series of searching for the true church because everybody claims to be the true church. And so what we're doing is we're going through the Bible and we're finding the characteristics, what we call Baptist distinctives, the things that are taught in the Bible and were practiced by the church in the first century. Once we get a list of those things, which we will in the next week or so, then we're going to take uh, some time and go through the uh, letters to the churches that Jesus wrote in the book of Revelation. And we're going to see that there were some problems that Jesus was addressing in his churches. And then we're going to take a step past the, the pages of the Bible and we're going to start looking in history and seeing if we can find some of these distinctives in history. And we do that last because history really never proves anything unless you're willing to just be honest. And most people aren't. But if we'll look in history, you know what? We can find churches that practice these things. In the book of Acts, in the letter of Revelation, in the book of Revelation... Then from the pages of history, we can see these same things, these same doctrines. It is a set doctrinal pattern. And here's what Paul is telling the Corinthians. You don't have the right to come up with your own version of Christianity because Jesus already has his. And they accuse us of being mind-numb robots. No. It's a choice. But if I choose to be obedient to the Bible and you choose to be obedient to the same book, shouldn't there be some, the word is congruity? That's where two shapes, congruent triangles, match each other perfectly. If you're following Christ and I'm following Christ, if we're reading the same Bible... Shouldn't we somehow come out the same way? I don't think that's unreasonable. Paul didn't think that was unreasonable. And he said, by the name of the Lord. He said, I want you to have one mind. If you want to know what that mind is, go to Philippians chapter 2. It's the mind that was in Christ Jesus. Amen. And he says that I want you to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Years, uh, Several years back, I guess this is about 15 years ago now, a very well-known radio preacher, Chuck Swindoll, uh, I'm not, um, yeah, wrote a book on grace. And uh, somebody said, what was that book all about? Well, if you want the 
uh, blunt answer to the book. He was mad that people were accusing him of sinning because he liked to smoke a pipe. And since he wasn't convicted that it was wrong to smoke a pipe, he said, I have grace to do this and you need to leave me alone. And that's grace. Wrong. How many dirty things are attached to smoking? And by the way, they don't just smoke tobacco and pipes today. Uh, nor have they ever. And I'm not accusing Mr. Swindoll of smoking weed or anything else. That, uh, he'd never do that. But why would you want to do exactly the same thing that everybody else is doing? Why do you want to be identified with the world? Is it that big of a deal? It ought not be. Because the name of the Lord is the important thing. There's a Baptist preacher, turn of the last century. And it was, uh, his name was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, lived in England, a great preacher. And, uh, but he had uh, two habits that were just not good. He liked to smoke cigars. And uh, he would have a hot toddy at night so he could rest and go to sleep. Uh, that's an alcoholic beverage. He was walking down the street one day, and over a bar he saw an advertisement for some brand of liquor, and it says, this is the brand that Spurgeon uses. He saw that, and he never tasted another drop the rest of his life. You see, he understood that what he was allowing in his life was bringing reproach on the name of Christ. Is it really that big of a deal? No. Let's get rid of it. So that the name of Christ gets lifted up. Amen? You see, we, we live in a world where everything is brought into question and where everything is constantly back and forth. How many of you have heard of that serenity prayer? Oh, please. Somebody gave me one of those a while back. Uh, I, I don't need that kind of serenity. I'll tell you the kind of serenity I need is to have my mind stayed upon Christ. You see, He gives me peace of mind. Amen? He's the one that I can trust. He's the one that I can allow to make decisions for me and never have to worry about it. You know, Paul was going to the city of Philippi under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. And what happened? He's beaten, thrown in prison. And as far as he knew, they were entrusted to keep him safe there forever. That happened in Rome. What did Paul and Silas do? They were singing praises to God that night. Why? Oh, not because they were trying to manipulate God into doing something for them. But they said, we're following God's will. And He's called us to suffer. And we'll gladly receive that suffering so that we may be obedient to God. And that's what 
allow God to open the prison doors. See, we want God to do miracles, but we want Him to do it our way, not His way. The trust comes first. The miracles come afterwards. And that's what Paul meant when he said, I beseech you by the name of the Lord. He said, there's division in this church. There's problems there in Corinth. And you guys are picking different people to follow. There's only one person to follow. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the pious gas bags in the church at Corinth that were claiming to follow Jesus Christ weren't following Him any more than the other people were following Peter or Apollos or Paul or any of the others. When we pick something else to follow instead of what's going on right in our church, it's because we're not following Christ, no matter who we claim to follow. You see, God gives us a unity, not based on my personality or whim, but based upon the Word of God, that we can work together and get things done. The name of the Lord gives us salvation, security, Serenity, peace of mind, the real type of serenity that we need because we can trust in Him. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know what? That'll solve a lot of questions, won't it? You say, hey, Pastor, can I? Well, okay, here you do. I want you to do this in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God by the name of Jesus Christ. Can you drink a beer and do that? Nope. You can't smoke and do that. can't go into some dirty movie and do that. You can't take care of yourself first and do that. You know, if you're going to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that means that other people are in front of you, doesn't it? Because that's the way Jesus lived. It means that if we're going to do something in the name of the Lord, that this would be what Jesus would be doing. I, I, I hate that little thing, what would Jesus do? Because when Jesus met a blind man, he left seeing. You know what? Benny Hinn has never done that, and neither will you. You can't do what Jesus did. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can do what Jesus wants you to do in service for Him. I just saw that coffee mug. Anita had it made up for me years ago. WW, I I don't remember all the initials, but it's what would Jesus have me to do? Because Jesus has things He wants us to do. Every bit of service we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, we do in His name... And we bring thanks, and we can be thankful to God for it. You know, sometimes up in that roof and in the ceiling, Andrew and I have been up there this week, and I mean, it's just, sweat's just pouring off of you, and you're trying to 
uh, crank up the steel bands and secure this and do that. And, and you sit there and go, what in the world are we doing up here? And we realize, wait a minute, can I do this in the name of the Lord? Oh, you betcha. Because people 150 some years ago gave everything they had to build that building so Jesus' name could be preached in it. I think that's worth a little blood, sweat, and tears. Amen? You see, it's not all fun and games. Some of it's downright dangerous. And we need your prayers this week. And I'm praying that I don't have to get up on that roof. I'll put the scaffolding up. I'll do everything else. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Because I'll tell you this. By God's grace, we're going to get the job done. You see, you can do that in the name of the Lord. You see, that gives us service. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's start reading in verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You know what God wants to do? He wants to separate you from your former lifestyle. Isn't that a wonderful truth? This new religion that's out there, you come as you were... You come as you are, you stay as you were. Nothing changes. Oh, well, we change the words to the music, but it's the same music. I had a guy tell me once several years ago, he said, listen, he said, the people in my church, they get dressed up every week to work in their business, said they ought to be able to come to church any way they want. I said, you know something? We don't have a dress code at this church. Never have, and by God's grace, we never will. But I'll tell you what I do. When I come to see Jesus, I put on the best that I got. If the best you have is a pair of jeans with holes in it and shoes with your toes sticking out, you don't let your clothes stop you from serving God. But, you know, there's something wrong with somebody that's got something nice they can wear and says, Jesus isn't important enough to do it. That's, that's what's being talked about here in this verse. Let's separate from the world. Let's give. 
It says here, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, not after the tradition which he received of us. You see, that's why we're independent Baptists, but we're, we're separatists. We don't just walk down the road with anybody that calls himself a Christian. We want to follow that biblical pattern. And, of course, that makes people upset. And that's okay. Because I don't care what you do. Somebody's going to be upset with it. But see, if we'll go back to that other one, you'll get your mind and your heart and your judgment right by the name of the Lord. Then you won't be upset. When you separate from people who want to do their own thing instead of serving the Lord. You see, God made us to serve Him together. That's what the church is all about. We meet in the name of the Lord as the body of Christ to worship Him with our service. Can we say amen to that? You see, that's how the name of the Lord is that strong tower. And I run into that tower... And I follow the Lord and decisions are made in my life that protect me from all the crud and all the rotten thinking and all of the deceit that is out there in the world. And things that really get under my skin and they bother me. Guess what? When I start looking at Jesus, they're not so important anymore. I just might be willing to say, Lord, you take care of that thing and let me just keep serving you even though things aren't exactly the way I would like them to be. You know, your liker can get fixed. Amen? God can change it. And He will. But I like this last one. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. The name of Jesus, the name of our Lord one day is going to be the most important name in all the universe. It is. But God is going to see that through in every creature. And let's just start reading in verse 9. Wherefore God hath also, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. The last one is sovereignty. You know, we're not going to let the Calvinists steal the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. But we're not going to make God the false sovereign that determines every action and is ultimately responsible for people's sin. I refuse to believe that about God. But you see, one day, he says, 
Every one of us is going to stand before him and every tongue is going to confess. I think of him dragging that old devil. The second most powerful being in the universe and throwing him at the feet of Jesus before he's cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And he's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. You can do it in this life willingly by getting saved. And then what do you have? You have that strong tower to run into. You're safe. Or you can do it in this next life. And those will be the last words you say before they throw you into the lake of fire. Tell you what, we need to be careful with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I can just give a few things, don't go gee whiz. That's just an abbreviation. G's, again, substitute. Be careful with his name. Live a life that brings honor to the title Christian. When the Lord taught the disciples to pray, what was the first thing he asked them to pray for? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We've got to be careful with his name. It's our only protection in this world. It's the way we get saved. It's the way we have peace of mind. It's how we serve the Lord. It's what separates us from the world. And one of these days, He's going to be our King. And what a day that will be. When my Jesus, I shall see. Just to look upon his face. Oh. Let's praise the name of the Lord. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for the name of Jesus. And all that it brings, and we pray that everyone in this room would take advantage of that strong tower to protect them from all of the things that go on in this wicked world in which we live. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep our heads bowed. If you need to slip out of your seat, the altar's open. We won't be a long time, but if you need to pray, now is the time. If you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, would you allow us to take the Bible and show you what it means to put your faith and trust in the name of the Lord? If you need to come, now is the time.